teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Well, I want you to open your Bible, if you brought it this evening, to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to start here. And um, Can you hear me all right out there? I can't hardly hear myself up here for some reason. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Um, Luke, the fourth chapter. We're going to get into some things we've been sharing for, what, three services now, I believe, talking about El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, and the one who sees ahead and provides supernaturally if necessary. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I just believe we need to plow. If we need to plow in your life, it might be other people's lives, but I sense we're doing some plowing. And just keep on working with this and working with this and working with this till, you know, till we start getting some of it. Yeah, there's going to be more, uh, more struggle. Not, I'm not prophesying struggle, but just because I'll explain why I say this. In this area of faith and any other. And the reason is, is because the money comes through this world's system. that has Satan as his God. We're redeemed from his authority. But any time that something's got to come through as something that Satan's the head of, you're going to have to deal with Satan. <laughs> you understand what I mean by that? Thank God we have the equipment to do that. But uh, he seeks to hinder in this area because Jesus said, uh, men, Luke 6, you know, men will give into your bosom. Give and it'll be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Men will give into your bosom. The, the, the supply of financial increase that you and I need is not going to come out of heaven. It's already here on the earth. God created the earth, filled it with wealth and all the, all the resources and the ore and everything that's in the earth. And uh, he made it for man. He didn't make it for himself. Um, you know, how many of you know when you, uh, when you can say, let there be, and it comes to pass, you don't need another planet. He made this one for us. Isaiah said he made this one to be inhabited by man. So he put it here. He put man here. Everything was created, and then man was put here because he, he supplied it before, he had, before man was even aware that he had a need, was even created. So uh, then what we see then is that it comes, the finances we need come through, this, through men's hands. It's already down here. So with that being said, there, if someone's being dealt with by God to give you a raise, to, uh, to favor you, to uh, you know, give you opportunities or even give you money or something like that, the, uh, they're going to have to respond to God. That's right. That's right. That's right. And how many of you know God doesn't violate people's free will? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So therefore, if someone's not responding, it can be hindered. Yeah. And sometimes Satan will jump on them and uh, you know, kind of try to hinder them from obeying God. Am I in the right room this, tonight? But that doesn't mean that it won't come. It just means that you have to stand your ground. You have to persist in faith. And don't quit. Because if you don't quit, the Bible says that, that uh, you know, Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and, and uh, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, another translation says, nothing will be able to stop you. Glory to God. So it, the, the enemy can't stop it from coming. He can't stop you from getting into what God has from you. And he can't stop your supply. He will try to hinder it, but he can't stop it. He might get you discouraged and get you to quit. I mean, that's what he wants to do. But still, if you won't quit, he can't stop it from coming. 
So you need to get like the bulldog with a bone. You need to latch onto that thing and say, no, this is mine. This is good. That's two convictions that bulldog has. This is good and this is mine. And he's not letting go for nobody, for anybody. So that's the way you need to be. Amen. Well, um, you think about redemption. We're going to get to Luke 4 here in a minute, but what does the word redemption mean or redeemed? The Bible talks about we're redeemed. Are we redeemed? Well, then we need to know what that means, don't we? If you were to look it up and, and study it, you'll find it basically means to buy back, to buy back. So if we're bought back, we're, we're, we know we're brought back to God and everything, and that's part of redemption. But not only are we brought back to God, um, but everything that was lost has been given back. Everything that man lost in the fall, well, we haven't got our, our new bodies yet, but the Bible says that's the last thing that will be done. Amen. But, but the redemption, we have the deposit on the, uh, on the uh, full redemption of our bodies, which is the healing of the mortal one. <laughs> I mean, uh, Romans 8 talks about that. But anyway, Jesus bought us back. We're now back in fellowship with him. And he also bought back everything that was lost because of the fall. Amen. Well, okay, so what was lost? Go over to Hebrews 9. This keeps coming up in my spirit. I'm gonna, I, I was trying to get to Luke 4 first. <laughs> of course, you're used to that. But uh, I want you to see something here. A lot of Christians have missed. See, if people don't dig and study into the Bible, they miss a lot. Skimming over the surface of it, you'll get a few things, but not nearly what could be gotten. Now, notice this is in the ninth chapter of Hebrews. I think I said Hebrews, correct? I want you to see the 14th verse. You know, the context here, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't, couldn't uh, you know, it only sanctified to the washing of the flesh. Uh, he said in verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause... Notice here, for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant, the mediator, the go-between. How many of you know Jesus is the mediator between God and man? He's the mediator of the new, new Testament or new covenant that by means of death, notice, for the redemption, we're redeemed, of the transgression, that was us, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, don't, you can read that and say, well, 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 well I know, I'm redeemed. But, but notice what it says. He said that he, that through, uh, by means of death for the redemption of the transgression that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the, this inheritance, this promise of eternal inheritance. In other words, uh, his death and his redemptive work was not the end you know, in other words, just the remission of our sin, put it that way, was not the end of what the goal was. You know, that was just a means to get to something. What is the means? The means is the blood of Jesus, the work of Christ, redemption, His death, burial, and resurrection, taking our place, taking our sin. Hallelujah, making us the righteousness of God. That was just a means to get to something. Read that. That's exactly what it's saying. It was the means to get us back to our inheritance. Oh, man. See, when I heard it, I ran around the room. You heard it, shook your head, and you're going to forget it in five minutes. Some of you don't write it down. You, don't, you, you wonder why you never get much out of services, because you don't value it like, 
Some others value it. That's worth a whole bunch right there. See, what Jesus shed his blood for was to, to remove that sin problem. So that that, right, that, that uh, righteousness could get us back into position where our inheritance is restored to us. Well, next question we have is, what is our inheritance? Well, you don't have time for that. I can't tell you. <laughs> Tonight, we can't, get, we can't share everything. But it includes everything. Remember, Christ has redeemed us, Galatians says, from the curse of the law. We're not just redeemed from sin. Oh, I'm not minimizing that. Thank God for that. But we're redeemed from that in order to get us something. To get us back to, he said, we're redeemed from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. If you haven't looked at it lately, put it on your mirror and quote it to yourself. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Well, what is the curse of the law? Well, if you study your Bible, you'd know. Deuteronomy 28, particularly, but it's, uh, it's in other places as well. But Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessings of keeping the law under the old covenant. Thank God we don't have to keep the law today. Uh, but then the curse for not keeping the law. You say, I know this. Yeah, I know, but see, I do too. <laughs> so what is the redeeming? The redeeming is from the curse, the penalty of breaking God's law, which was, according to you, read Deuteronomy 28, listed out very clearly. It was uh, uh, separation from God. It was also um, the curse of sickness, disease, and all that, infirmity. And it was also the curse of poverty. I'm redeemed from the curse of poverty. I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. In other words, I'm bought back to the place where man originally was. See, to, to buy back means back to something. Back to what, though? Back to what? Back, I mean, what are we back to? Back to what Adam had originally. He wasn't sick. That came in afterwards. The Bible says that he would never have died if it hadn't have been for sin because death entered the world through sin. Spiritual death did, and then, of course, physical death as a result of that. Amen. I already preached more to you in these 10 minutes than you get in some churches in a whole year. Hallelujah. But so we're brought back. Well, we're brought back also to what Adam had at the beginning when it came to his supply. We're brought back to that full supply of abundance. Where Adam was, where he had no lack. He was in the garden and he had no lack. Amen. We're going to be talking about that tonight. Amen. That's our inheritance. Now, come back over while we're on this. We could spend a lot more time than we're going to. But go to the book of Romans and look at the, let's see, the fourth chapter. We, uh, in the fourth chapter, we find a lot of people don't believe this, but uh, it's in the Word. It's been laying on their coffee table for years. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, this is talking about Abraham here in the fourth chapter of Romans. Let's look at the 13th verse. <clears throat> if you look at the 12th verse, you see that he's talking about our father Abraham. Yes, then he said, For the promise that he, that's Abraham, should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham and to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, who was that promised to? Who was that promised to? Tell me out loud. This isn't a trick question. Who was that promised to? Abraham 
but not just Abraham. You see what it said? The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, the righteous, those that are righteous by faith are us. Faith in Christ. So we're heirs of what Abraham had. The blessing of Abraham is mine. That's what Abraham had. He he inherited the world. What? The whole world? Yeah, the whole world. Three words translated world in the New Testament. You know, we know know about the God of this world. That's not what he's talking about here. This is the word translated world that means the round ball of dirt and rocks and trees. And we call it the earth. And gold and silver and oil and diamonds and, and lumber and... Everything you need. Think about it. Everything you're wearing, everything you see, everything you get in to drive home, when you get home, everything that's in your house, that's all, that all came out of the earth. Everything. Amen. So the promise, this was a promise God made to Abraham that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So we are heirs of the planet. Did you get that? For to which, look at verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath where there is no law, for where no law is there is no transgression. For therefore it is of faith. What is of faith? The, the inheritance. Yes. The promise of inheritance. Yes. Which is not a promise today. You read the New Testament carefully. It's a, it's a, all the promises are yes and amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. amen means so be it. Yes. Amen. 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 <laughs> we ought to watch where we say Amen. The whole world's going to hell. Amen. (laughs) Well, we don't want that to be. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So he said, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise, that's the inheritance, might be sure. That's guaranteed based on the integrity of God's word might be sure to, the all, to all the seed, not to that also which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith, uh, is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Um, and then he talks about calling those things that be not as though they are. Amen. Well, I could go back to Genesis and show you where it talks about Abraham when God came and he gave him, t- remember, uh, God delivered Lot through Abraham's uh, endeavor there. He delivered Lot, remember from the, I forget who it was that attacked Lot, took away all his cows and goods and everything. And then he gave tithes of all. There met him Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. You remember that? Notice it kept saying that, Melchizedek, possessor of heaven and earth. And then it said, blessed be Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. You go back and read it. He's talking about Abraham also. Why would Abraham be possessor of heaven and earth whenever I thought it said God is the possessor of heaven and earth? Well, that's what covenant does. Covenant makes two one. It it makes a person jointly inherit. They jointly inherit together. What I have, if I'm in covenant with somebody, they own. What they own, I own. That's what covenant is all about. My, my, my. We don't have to believe this yet. Well, we're going to keep on preaching it. This is what we got back. We got our goods back. <laughs> Amen. All the needs that, are, that we have in this material realm, we got all that back. 
How did we get it back? I'll tell you how we got it back. We got authority over it back. Adam originally, God put him in the garden and supplied everything he needed. Remember, he even told him where the gold was. I keep saying that. He said, the gold is over in Havilah. That was the place over there, close to the garden. He said, and the gold over there is good. <clears throat> Adam, uh, over there it is. See, we think God's saying, keep your hands off of the gold. The gold doesn't belong. The gold's worldly. No, God doesn't think it's worldly. Amen. What did he put it for? Did he put it here for the devil and his crowd? No, he originally put it, put it here, put it, put it here for his man, Adam. That was his plan. Why? To take care of him. Why did God make the earth and do all that he did? Well, the same reason why you would, if you're getting ready to have a child, which we are God's children today, uh, you, you make a room with a crib and you stock up all the baby food and all the things that are needed, you know. You, you get ready for that child. That's what God did when he made this planet. He got it ready for his man, then he made his man. Everything he needed was here. All the oxygen, all the resources, everything he needed. Why? Because God wanted a family. He wanted to take care of somebody. You, if, you're, if you have a father's heart, which God is a father. He is our father. If you have a father's heart, you're not satisfied until you can take care of somebody. It's true about a mother's heart too. I know of women that just look for somebody to take care of because they just, they just have that kind of heart. Well, that's a good thing. That's the way God is, you know. He just wants to take care of somebody. He wants somebody to love, somebody to fellowship with, but then somebody to take care on and care of and lavish himself upon. Amen. He wanted fellowship. He wanted somebody to, that he could take care of and bless. And he didn't want them to have to do it by the sweat of their brow. Where, so he made things grow on their own accord. He provided. They didn't have to cook a meal. They, they all grew on trees. Amen. It was just God's provident care. We, we've heard that term. The word providence means timely care and active foresight accompanied with procurement of what is necessary for future use. Provident care. That's what God gave. He, he had foresight of what they were going to need, and he, he actively uh, provided it before the, use came, before the need of it came. That's why God made the planet. He wanted a family. He wanted somebody to take care of. But he knew, listen to this, he knew, because you look over in the book of Genesis, you find out God made all that, and then he put man there. But then you find out God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. That's the first thing he gave them after he put them in the garden and gave them the whole planet, really. He said, have dominion. Why was that the first thing that he said and gave them after the whole planet, really? You could might say the second thing he gave them. Uh, and then he also gave them seed. I don't know if you've ever read that. Go back to the book of Genesis. We'll get to, sometime we'll get to Luke tonight. We're basically preaching the gospel to you tonight. Whether you know it or not, we're going to get to the verses that talk about this is the gospel. We've been brought back to this. Look here in Genesis. We, we, without reading the whole story, I want you to notice that uh, God made the earth. You, you can read the whole account of him making the earth in the first chapter, really the first, uh, really the first uh, 27 verses, 27, 26 through 27 is God creating man after he had made the whole planet. Then he made man. Then the verse 28, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. So he gave them the whole earth. 
Then he gave them, the second thing was dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the, uh, let's see here, over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Then you go over into the second chapter and you'll find out that he said, uh, let's see here, I'm trying to find it real quickly, I'm not finding it as quickly as I want to, but he said, over the whole earth. Amen. He gave him dominion over the whole earth. Huh? 26. Oh, yeah. Let's make and have them dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over all every creeping thing that creepeth upon them. So he gave him dominion over the whole earth. That means all the resources, all the cattle, all the animals, everything that's here. Birds, everything. White-tailed deer. He gave him dominion over it. <laughs> But uh, he said, number two, I got to give you dominion. Then number three, we're learning about our supply here. Because we're brought back to this. Number three, we read verse number 28. Now read verse in chapter 1, verse 29. God said, behold, I have given you. Here's the third thing he gave them. I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was, it was so. God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning with the six days. Done finishing everything up in, the, in six days. Now, now, notice he gave man every herb and everything, and then the seed and the herb. And then he said in verse 30, he gave something to the beasts. Or the, let's say the animals. Now, how many of you think he gave the same thing to the animals that he gave to the, I mean, excuse me, to man as he gave to the animals? No. At, at reading, reading it quickly through, you'd think he did. But notice the difference. Notice in verse 29, he said, I have given you every herb. Now notice, bearing seed, which is upon the face of the all, circle bearing seed, which is the face of the all there. And every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. Now, he said, that's what I've given the, the human beings, man. That's what I gave man. The herbs and the trees and, and seed. Now, notice what he said in verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, that's the animal kingdom. Wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Somebody said the same thing, isn't it? No, he didn't give them seed. He gave them just the food. So he gave man three things. He gave him the whole planet, everything here. Gave him dominion over the whole thing, number two. And number three, he gave him seed. Now, there's your key to prosperity. Believing that everything belongs to you and that you have authority to call it when you need it and that you can plant a seed and get a harvest. Somebody said, well, that man fell. He lost all this. Yeah, but that's what redemption's all about. Amen. See, if you understand redemption, you know that that's exactly what God got back for us. Or Jesus. He got all that back for us. He got us the ownership of the planet back. He got us the dominion over it back. And he got us that, that blessing of reaping a harvest off the seed we sow into what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's better preaching. I'm preaching better than your amen in tonight. Praise God. 
the plan of redemption was uh, bringing us back to what Adam originally had. The whole, everything that, they need, that man needs down here. And authority over it. Adam had lost that through sin. But God gave man his dominion back. Because, here's the reason why. God knew Satan was here. And God knew that life would not be as God intended it for be, to be for man. If all he gave him was just the, the uh, provision of the, the resources of the earth. Because the enemy came and he would try to hinder it, wouldn't he? And he did separate them from their rights before God to call what they need. They lost that authority. Adam gave names to everything. Why? So he could call it. So he could command it to come. How do you call your children whenever you need them? How do you call your dog when you need it? Let's say your dog. Your dog's name's Butch. You go back on the backyard, you whistle and say, Hey, Butch, Butch, come here, Butch. Right? You go back and you call him. Well, that ain't going to work for money. Well, not for you, but it works for me. I say that because that's the way you say you believe. Jesus said, if you'd believe it and say it, it'd come to pass. It would come to pass. Come to pass. Yeah, it'll come. The Bible said, James says, that the tongue is, is, can, can control things. It can turn things. It can move things. Isn't that right? Uh, the Bible talks about I, I mean, uh, Elijah. Because the Old Testament people through the covenant that God made with Abraham could get in on this, looking forward to the redemption. But uh, the Bible talks about Elijah commanded it not to rain, and it stopped raining. Then he commanded it to rain, and it started raining. Well, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, that's, that's what we're trying to establish in your heart so that you can learn to exercise authority over what you need. The enemy is the one who tries to hinder the supply that belongs to you. So he's the one you have to deal with. Exercise authority over him. Exercise authority over those who are yield, uh, not over the people, but the enemy trying to influence people to not work with you. Praise God. This is good preaching tonight. God knew that without the authority, life wouldn't be as he intended it here. So he created him. He created man in his image and in his likeness. Now, what is his image and his likeness? Well, a lot of different things, right? Righteousness and, you know, even the human form is in the image of God. But um, there's a lot, there's several different levels of truth there. But one of the things that is called his image in the New Testament is uh, righteousness. Uh, another thing is uh, being able to say a thing and it comes to pass. Amen. Jesus said he called Lazarus out of the grave. Remember that? He said, if I, I, didn't I tell you if you believe you'd see the glory of God? He said, that's the glory of God. And we're going from glory to glory. We're learning to exercise. What is the glory? The glory is his attributes, his, his, his character, and his nature. One of his attributes is the way he does things is he says it and it comes to pass. And one of the things you can do is call it and it'll come to you. Well, is that that, is that, that faith teaching I've heard, been warned about? Yep, that's that faith teaching you've been warned about. 
Sad that people would want to live in anything other than faith. Well, I don't believe that. All right, just do without, be broke, and, you know, we'll, we'll pay your rent for you every now and then just to help you know God's good. <laughs> Amen. Can you see what I'm talking about? So, what we see is God gave man dominion because he knew wouldn't, life wouldn't be the way it was intended without that authority over this, this, this earth. So, he created him in his image and gave him dominion. And uh, he said, Adam, if you need it, I don't, don't talk to me about it. Just call it. Amen. Because it's not up in heaven. Things you need are down here on the earth. And I put them here to serve you. He gives us richly, the Bible says in the New Testament, richly all things to enjoy. They're here to serve us, to, to, to uh, minister to us, to enjoy. There's a lot of things that you don't necessarily need, but God wants you to have it because you enjoy it. And that's not sin. Some people get all religious about this stuff. It's not God and man. It's Father, Abba, Daddy, the one who, I was his idea and he wants to take care of me. Be honest with you, we're talking about El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh, but you come over into the New Testament, there's further revelation. How many of you know the Bible's progressive revelation? In the New Testament, it's, yeah, yeah, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still El Shaddai. Don't misunderstand me. But in the New Testament, it's Abba, Father, the one who loves me, the one who's going to take care of me and supplies all my needs. You know, think about Jesus and the heart of Jesus. He was preaching so long one time that it was too late to get something to eat. Remember that? And he said, uh, the disciples said, well, send them away. It's getting late. They need to go get something to eat. And they'll faint on the way home, you know, because you need to eat from time to time. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, you give them to eat. And they said, well, we, uh, we don't have enough for 5,000 women, I mean, men plus women and children. Jesus said, tell them to sit down in 50s and 100s. And he, remember, he broke the bread and multiplied. That's just the, the love of God to take care of a need. He could have sent them away and said, that's too much money for us to spend out of the treasury of Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah ministries, you know. <laughs> but he didn't. There's El Shaddai, the God who, if it's not enough in the natural, he'll bring the super on top of the natural. All sufficient, not just sufficient in the natural, but if the natural doesn't go far enough, I'll put my super on top of the natural and get it to go far enough because I'm all sufficient. That's my God. That's my Abba. Oh, are you ready for a good verse? Over there in the uh, book of, remember, it's uh, the 14th chapter of John's gospel. The, uh, I believe it's the 13th and the 14th verses. Remember, Jesus is teaching and he said, uh, if uh, whatever you ask, I'm just going to quote it the way the King James says it, and then we'll uh, bring the Greek out. It says in the 14th chapter of John, the 13th and 14th verses, whatever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, it's a little misleading there. It sounds like prayer. At first glance in the King James, it looks like prayer, but he's not actually talking about talking, asking God. Uh, he's saying the, the Greek word for ask is the word for demand. Demand, whatever you demand in my name. You mean demand of God? No, just demand that it be so. Remember like at the gate called Beautiful, he demanded, Peter and John demanded, rise up and walk. Yes. 
Remember, that was a demand. They commanded it to happen. He wasn't commanding it of God. There's, God's not any, he's not hindering anything. He's just, com- he's speaking to something and commanding it to respond. Faith, can do- Faith doesn't just talk to God, although it does talk to God. That's called prayer. But it also talks to circumstances. It, Jesus did. He talked to wind and waves. He talked to dead men. He talked to fig trees. He talked to fevers. Oh, I just want to be more like you, Jesus. Well, then start doing this. Talk two things. And command it to come, command it to go, command it to live, command it to die, command it to obey. It's command it to begin, command it to stop. Whatever needs to be, speak to it. Contracts, if you're in business, contracts, come to me. You speak to them. I declare I'm highly favored among God and men, uh, among, among, among men by God. Praise the Lord. So that's what he's talking about. Whatsoever you shall demand in my name, I'll do it that the Father may be glorified. Years ago, uh, Brother Hagin was talking to an elderly minister back in those days, early, I don't remember the exact date this happened, but it was, you know, 40s, 50s, somewhere in there, maybe, maybe uh, somewhere in there. But uh, to a man named P.C. Nelson, he was a Baptist minister who actually was, I think if I remember right, his situation was he was run over, his le- one of his legs run over by a car or something, and they were going to amputate it. And uh, finally, he started studying. He's a, he's a Christian, but he had never preached divine healing. But he started studying divine healing and came across James there where it talks about healing. Uh, if any sick, let him call for the elders of the church, prayer of faith, save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. He got that, and he said, well, we don't teach that in my church, but, but I'm going to believe the Word. There was, there was a, somebody else came and ministered to him and said, if you believe the Word, God, God will give you a healing ministry. And, and he was healed and, and uh, you know, a lot, lot of, anyway. So, but he got baptized in the Holy Ghost then and started preaching the full gospel. Yeah. Hallelujah, which this is, this is some more of the full gospel that I'm Amen. preaching tonight. Amen. And so, but anyway, he was a Greek. Well, actually, they said he, they, they, somebody asked him one day, how many languages can you read and write? Or I think it's speak and, and read, I think it was. And he said, 32. <laughs> Well, that's a lot. I mean, actually, if I heard it right, he was, uh, he was working for the government during one of the wars. Maybe it was the Second World War, I guess, if it was in those years, um, helping to in- interpret certain things and so forth. I mean, that's intelligent. That is something else. It got me beat by, 30, by 32, I think. <laughs> Maybe 31. <laughs> but um, anyway, he said, I like to read the New Testament in my Greek New Testament. He said, because the Greek is such a rich, rich meaning. And Brother Hagin heard him say this. He said, for example, there in John 14, which we just read, Jesus said, whatever you shall demand in my name, I'll do it. He said, the Greek literally says, whatever you demand in my name, if I don't have it, I'll make it. I've been thinking about that the last few days. That's El Shaddai right there. In other words, if, if what I made in the natural realm is not going to meet the need that you have, I'll make something else. <laughs> oh, that takes me, that takes my supply out of this world. <laughs> He's been known to do it. He created man and sent it out of heaven. My goodness. How could we ever go without rent? When you understand this. That's why we're preaching it, to get it on the inside of us. 
Well, um, now in Luke, go back now, the fourth chapter, which we, we're going to start in. Yeah, we got there. Jesus got up. He said, in verse 16, the spirit of the, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up for to read. There was delivered him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This, see, later on he said, this day, verse 21, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So he's talking about himself here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This Isaiah prophecy was about Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. That's what the anointing is. It's the Spirit of God upon you for any kind of, you know, to, to enable you or to empower you or supply you or do something for you or through you to somebody else. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. First thing he said. You know, in a lot of churches, this is the last thing you hear about. What is the gospel to the poor? Let's keep on reading. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. See, this is describing the job description of the anointing. This is what the anointing will do for any of us. He has to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The Lord has spoken to me much about this word bruised and brokenhearted lately. I hope sometime I get some, get the Lord will lead me to teach on it. Just tremendous what the anointing can, hurting people, broken people, whose dreams were dashed and, you know, seemed like there's no future. Oh, my, 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 my. Praise God for His goodness. He's so good. The anointing will restore that hopelessness and brokenness and all of that. But here's another thing. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Close the book and, you know, they all were looking at him. He said, this is fulfilled today. I'm the Messiah, basically, is what he's saying. The word Christ means anointed one. So he, he, this is, he is the, the Christ. Now, notice it says here, to preach the gospel to the poor, that's the first thing he said. And then the last thing he said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, that's, they actually go together. The gospel to the poor would be that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to help in that area of poverty. Wouldn't that be the gospel to the poor? Why didn't he just say the gospel to everyone? We know the gospel is for everyone. But here he's specifying something specifically in the area of financial needs. You with me? So what is the gospel to the poor? Well, actually, his message, he said, the gospel that I'm preaching is for the poor. It's to do other things as well, but it's to the poor. What was the message? The message was what he said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. In other words, he's saying there is an anointing on me to break that yoke of poverty. Now, you could call it, according to the Scriptures, you could call it, remember over in like, I mean, Deuteronomy 8.18, it's he that gives thee power to get wealth. Power, power, power. What kind of power is that? Nuclear? Static electricity. What is that? Human power. Oh, that's what it is. No, it's he that gives it, so it's his. It came from him. He that gives thee power to get wealth. That's his power. That's what the blessing is. The blessing actually is an empowering to get wealth. 
It says, as he swear to thy fathers, as it is this day. I read the whole book of Genesis and down through there, Exodus and so forth. I couldn't find a single place where he swear to, their, swear to his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who he's talking about, that, that they would have power to get wealth. I couldn't find that terminology. But what I kept finding was, I'll bless you. 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 You look up the word blessing, it means empowered to succeed, empowered to prosper. See, I'm not on my own in this financial arena any more than I'm on my own in my own wisdom or on my own, uh, my own uh, you know, healing, you know, to keep myself healed. I'm, I'm not on my own to live free from sin. I'm not on my own in any area. I'm not on my own to control my thoughts and not go squirrely in my mind. I'm not on my own in my finances either. I got an anointing. There is, an, a, there is, a, he, there is a healing anointing. There is a prosperity anointing. Praise God. That's the gospel to the poor. Then he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You go back under the Old Testament and read Deuteronomy, read Leviticus, and you'll find, uh, I believe, uh, several places where you'll find what that is. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. That's on the Day of Atonement. They would blow the trumpet. Everyone's uh, uh, debts were canceled on that day. If you lost the farm, you know, because you couldn't pay or something, it was all restored to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's part of redemption. Praise God. So what he's talking about is this is what I'm, to pre I'm here preaching amongst other things. You understand this is not all of it, but we're just emphasizing this part, pulling this part out tonight. That he's preaching redemption from poverty. Redemption from not having access to the, the power to get the resources of this earth that you need. Like Adam had where he could say, hey, come, I need you. I need some gold right now. I need this right now. I need that right now. Jesus came to preach that. That's what the blessing of Abraham is, that, that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. What is that? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing is the Spirit, the anointing, the power of God that acts and, and moves in our life through faith. To cause us to be prosperous. Praise God. I know you know this, but faith doesn't come by what you heard in the past. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So this is the job description of the anointing. The gospel is the cure for poverty. Jesus didn't come doing all the things that the world thinks you got to do to fix poverty. And the government thinks you have to do to fix poverty. That's like putting a Band-Aid on a cancer so many times. It's not the real cure. The real cure, Jesus came with the real cure. The gospel is the real cure for poverty. The good news of the power to get wealth. Praise be to God. It's the cure, not more money. That's not the cure for, for lack. You can get more, more money and lose it all because of the curse. Amen. They think, people think that's the cure, but it's not. Praise God. Now, 3 John 2, I wish above all things you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth. What's that mean, soul prospereth? He's talking about renewing our minds with the Word. Renewing it with what? The gospel. Praise God. So our minds have got to be renewed to our supply. The good news, the gospel of our supply. The Bible said he preached it ahead of time to Abraham. <laughs> Abraham believed it. In fact, you read how God revealed himself to Abraham. He revealed himself more in the financial area than any other area. 
He revealed him as El Shaddai. He revealed him as Jehovah Jireh. He said, I am thy exceeding great reward, which in, the, in Hebrew means paying wages. It was amazing, Abraham's revelation of prosperity. No wonder the Jews today are, are so prosperity-minded because they got started that way. <laughs> Amen. It's time for Christians to catch up. Praise God. So we, we thank God for the gospel. The gospel is how God makes known to us the grandness of His, uh, His supply and provision for our lives. So the real cure for it, sometimes people say, well, I'm having trouble. I've got to work more hours. Well, why is their first in inclination not to get into more of the gospel? Because that's the real cure for it. You go across the nations of the world and where the gospel is the most prominent, those are the richest nations. Where it's dim and dark, those are the poorest nations. That's why Europe's going broke right now because there's very little gospel over there. Now, America's trying to push God out too. But I'm going to preach it bolder than we're, you know. It's time for people, somebody to stand up and say, there's, there's a cure for this economic trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. The poorest nation in the hemisphere, in our hemisphere, uh, at least up, I don't know, I haven't studied this for at least 10 years or 15 years, but last I heard was uh, Haiti. And years ago, the natives there, they said they made a covenant with the devil. They killed a chicken and did all this stuff and did it in the palace of the nation and said, if you'll rid us of the French man's dominance, which at that time they were dominated by the French, then this nation will belong to you. And the French man was defeated, and guess what the devil did for it? All around there is basically, it's a tropical area all around them, but in that nation, a lot of it's desert. <laughs> Hello. The gospel is the cure for, for lack. It's the gospel that cures the lack. Amen. And it's not an American gospel. It's for whosoever will. Praise the Lord. So the gospel is how God makes known His goodness of His supply. The increase of the gospel will increase supply. Increasing the intake of the gospel will increase, increase your awareness of your supply and enable you to lay hold of it by faith. If you fall behind financially, the gospel is the cure, not the third job. Amen. Praise God. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel, but his message was the anointing. He was anointed to preach it, but he was preaching the anointing. Amen. That's the yoke-destroying power of God. Remember, the anointing shall be destroyed because of the, I mean, excuse me, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing of God's power will destroy the yoke of poverty. A lot of preachers are scared to preach this. Well, people, people will take it all wrong. Well, you know, uh, I've heard people say, don't preach that here. These people are poor. Well, that'd be like saying to a, a group of sick people, don't preach healing to them. These people are sick. Or to a group of sinners, don't preach Jesus the Savior because they're, they're not saved. You need help being that stupid. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preach it where it's the darkest. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. So the supply is actually in the spirit realm. It's the anointing that blesses and comes upon you to enable you to prosper, but that's from the spirit realm. You understand that? This method of prosperity, God's method, 
as opposed to the world's way, which has sorrow and toil with it. Remember? Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. But this method of prosperity, as opposed to the world's, is received by and according to your ability to reach into the spirit realm and work with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Reach into the spirit realm and, and lay hold of what the spirit is doing. If it is received from the realm of the spirit, so you're, you will prosper according to how much you live and walk in the spirit. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in this earth. Where's His riches? In glory. Oh, so there's something out of that realm that comes on this realm that causes all your needs to be supplied. You there? You're going home. Praise God. Supplies from the spirit realm. Money is in the natural realm. But God's supply, the power of God, the riches in glory, the anointing that destroys the yoke, and that includes angels and all their activity and ministry, will come on the money and cause it to come. Especially as you exercise authority over it. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.3 says, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The Amplified says, All spiritual blessings means all given by the Holy Spirit blessings. So there's something that, that the Holy Spirit, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We have to cooperate with His leadings. We have to cooperate with Him get, guiding us into the truths of the Word. Praise the Lord. We have to cooperate with the, what you might call the prosperity anointing. Hallelujah. Grieving the Spirit by disobedience is not going to help you prosper. Praise God. Well, we could spend a lot more time on that part. Amen. So what we've got to do is, from the spirit realm, receive what God's trying to do in our hearts because that's how God does things through our spirits. The anointing is from the spirit realm, but it can only be received with the spirit of man. Your mind and your body don't have contact with that realm and it can't receive spiritual things. That's why people that are intellectually, mentally dominated they have a hard time doing things God's way. Amen. Amen. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. You ever read that? So these things are given by the Holy Spirit blessings or given by the anointing blessings, by the power of God blessings. And they're received by the Spirit of man. How's that happen? By faith. That's of the heart. Amen. So God's made a way that there be a free exchange between two realms. Jesus made the way between these two realms so things can flow back and forth. Praise the Lord. But you can't walk in the supply of that realm without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, who is the, the guide into all that, that is in that realm. Amen? Well, the Word is good. Now, without, uh, without taking much time, I'm going to just give you a few examples of, of this uh, that are illustrations of this that is the character of God here. Genesis 22, God was Jehovah Jireh, provided the lamb before Adam, I mean, uh, Abraham even needed... No, knew he needed the supply, called him Jehovah Jireh. Then Jesus, in John 14, he went to prepare a place for us before we even get there. That place is already being prepared. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Psalm 23, he prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. That's down here on this earth. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then Luke 1, 
And uh, many verses down through Luke 1, Luke 3, Luke 7, different places, talks about John the Baptist who prepared the way of Jesus coming. You can see the heart of the Father who gets ahead of us and always prepares. Then we have Luke 2 where Jesus was what God had prepared for our salvation, Luke 2, 30 and 31. That was a prophecy. Romans 9, 23 and 24. The new birth, righteousness, and redemption is God preparing us for the glory, it says. You know, you're being prepared right now for what's ahead. Glory to God. We know that the earth and creation was prepared for man before he got here. Um, think about Hebrews eleven sixteen. God has prepared for us a city, heavenly Jerusalem. <laughs> God, in Psalm 66, 12, talks about bringing the people of God into a wealthy place that he had prepared. That's uh, God's pre preparation for his people in the Old Testament, the, Can the Canaan's land blessing. Praise God. God had prepared a garden for Adam, a fish for Jonah. Uh, he had prepared a place by the brook for Elijah to be fed. Isn't that right? Glory be to God. Then we know that Jesus uh, had somebody, and a number of people that did this, but uh, the woman that poured the oil on his feet. You know, remember that? She kept it just for Jesus coming. That's just the heart of God. God got Noah ready for the flood before it even came. That's God preparing him. If you'll let God, if you'll walk in the Spirit, God will have you ready for the tests and trials before they come. Remember, he said, before you call, I'll answer. In other words, before you even get in the test and trial, that's Isaiah 65, 24, God will start dealing with you about certain truths of the Word that whenever you get to that test and trial, they're going to mean a whole lot. <laughs> I've had that happen over and over again. But walking in the natural, people don't do that. Walking in the natural, people walk behind the devil and clean up his messes. Walking in the spiritual, get ahead of it. I saw for about, up until about two months ago or so, I saw for about a year and a half something coming that was going to try to get in the church. I kept seeing it coming. I kept praying and dealing with it and talking to it. Say, no, you're not going to get in the church. No, you're not going to get in the church. About two months ago, it, it began a little, a little shoot started coming up in the church about it. I said, no, Mr. Devil, I told you you can't do it. You can't do it. And you know what has happened since that time? Nothing. It disappeared. In fact, it completely left the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was God preparing me for a year and a half. That's protection for the church. I could tell you story after story after story after story like that. Because people don't walk in the Spirit, they play catch-up. They're, they're running behind the devil with a broom, cleaning up everything he's done. God doesn't intend for you to live that way. Amen. Well, let's maybe next week, let's, or maybe, maybe Sunday, we'll see. Sometime we'll talk about four keys or five keys to working with God uh, ahead of you. Because we've been talking about God's side. Let's talk about how we can, on our side, how we can... Function to cooperate with Jehovah Jireh. Can you, can you work with God in your future? Absolutely. He's just as much out there as he is in the present. I'll just give you one little, little, little teaser. How many of you like little teasers? Remember the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you, pray, you speak mysteries. If you analyze the, the mysteries in your life, one of them, one of the biggest ones in your life is your, is your future. Your, what's the future hold? I mean, <laughs> you know? Well, um, you can pray in tongues and pray out your future. Get ahead of yourself. 
pray out your future and pray things out that, that uh, you know, you wouldn't otherwise, you know, be able to be able to walk in, but you can pray it out and walk right into it. I found that praying in tongues gets me out ahead of myself and so that things are prepared out there that I don't even know that I need, but God had me pray it out before I even got there. Hallelujah. Well, that's just a little teaser. There's a lot of different things we'll talk about, but thank God for the truth. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Tell, say to your neighbor, I'm redeemed. I'm brought back to where, a, uh, where Adam was. Praise be to God. Amen, amen, amen. Remember Deuteronomy 28, verse number 1, it says, all these blessings, if you'll serve the Lord your God, you know, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Come up here, Brother Ike. What would it, where would be his position if he's coming on me and overtaking me? If I'm walking out my walk with God, would his position be in front of me or would his position be behind me? If it's going to come on me and overtake me, see, I'm walking out my walk. Come, no, 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 you'd have to be behind me. Isn't that right? If it's going to overtake me. If you're driving home on 380 and I overtake you, where did I come from? See? So, Deuteronomy 28, no, not 28. 28, 1, yeah. It says, all these blessings, I'm walking in, with my, in my walk with God. All these blessings shall come on me and overtake me. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So, to overtake means to pass me up and get out ahead of me. So, I can get to the place to where it's, I'm not always, my blessings aren't always behind me, but they eventually get up ahead of me. But how, do I, how does it get that way? Does it get that way by me turning and facing the blessings and chasing them? No, sir. No. It says they overtake me. See, it's beneath your position in Christ, your exalted position in Christ, to run around chasing money and, you know. No, you do what God said and speak the word and they'll come on me and overtake me. <laughs> They're chasing you, not you chasing them. It's beneath the president's exalted position to have to, like our president right now, President Obama, it's beneath his position as, pre as our president to have to wash the windows in the White House, to mow the yard in the White House. That's supplied to the position. He's not thinking about it a single day of his presidency. Isn't that right? And it's beneath your position to always be thinking about where am I going to get the money? Where am I going to... It's your job. <laughs> Some of you got this now. It's your job to do what you're assigned to do, and, and God has assigned the money to chase you down. You just whistle. You come along with me now in Jesus' name. Amen. And it chases you. We got a lot of Christians chasing it, but he said it'll chase you down and then even get ahead of you. I've, I've hit that spot in my life where it's starting to get ahead of me.
you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life. 